We have a wonderful privilege and opportunity today. I want to introduce to you a man that I love. I met this man about 1920, something like that. And he actually was attending a class I was teaching. And watch this man grow, and he has affected our area, I think, more than anybody I know. And we are privileged and honored to have Steve Buss direct this ministry called One Hope. And he has had a vision from the Lord to see a church come together. How many of you know that two is better than one? And ten is better than two? And 50 is better than 10. How many know that? And Steve had that passion and that vision to see the church come together and impact. Now, it is a miracle because I've been in the ministry for 40 years, and to get preachers to come together and they don't preach is amazing. But we meet once a month just to pray for each other, encourage each other, and I, I constantly am amazed that these professionals lay it all down just to come so we can do something together. And we are blessed that Steve and Patty are here today. And Steve's going to share with us something that he believed the Lord has for us. We are great benefactors of his ministry. We have... Um, been blessed as a body, as individuals, for the privilege we have of having this family in our community. Let's give a Christ Center welcome to Steve Buss. Stretch your hand toward him, would you please? Lord, we want to receive from you through your servant. We open our hearts to receive that which you want for us to receive. Lord, as Steve opens his mouth, you said you'd fill it. And so we're asking you to fulfill your word that you would fulfill uh, the word to us, that he would deliver to us that which is from you. Bless him, anoint him, give him peace, give him all he needs. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning. It's good to be with you here uh, on this cool August morning. It's been warm here lately, and I, I know that uh, I know everyone in Junction City loves the heat because they they lead and put on the Scandinavian festival usually in the um, hundred degree days. So everyone here must love the heat uh, in order to make this happen so well every year. So um, in just a minute, we're going to get to uh, Jeremiah chapter twenty nine. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, get to Jeremiah twenty nine. And uh, I just want to, uh, Patty and I, Patty's going to come and join me here in a little bit, and she's got some Project Hope testimony, so that's why we decided to intermingle, because I'm going to, 
it's going to be in context when she, when she shares today of, of a bigger story. But um, we were here a couple weeks ago as Pastor Janelle became a pastor, and we were able to share a few testimonies then of answered prayer. But what I'd like to do really briefly uh, is just bring us back into the story that God is writing in bringing people who live in our community, people who follow Jesus who live in our community. There's a story God is writing about those people coming together to actually function as one. And we know that it's a desire of the Lord Jesus for God's people, people who follow Jesus, to actually function as one. Not to have some ethereal goal that we are one in Christ, this ethereal reality, because you and I are one with our brothers and sisters who are in Africa and who are in different parts of the world. But... We are not only spiritually one with them and spiritually one with other Bible-believing people in our community, but functionally, that practically, God wants his people to walk in their oneness. And so uh, I'm going to, on the way to uh, Jeremiah 29, I'm just going to mention briefly a prayer of the Lord Jesus. Now, he prayed in John 17... The Apostle John records this prayer, and he prays this prayer right before he heads to the Garden of Gethsemane, right where he is going to wrestle with God in prayer, where apostles are going to fall asleep, and where he's going to be arrested, and his suffering is going to begin. So he prays this prayer right before he heads to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is out of John 17. And Jesus prays, Father, my prayer is for all of them that they would be one. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then he goes on to pray, may they be brought to complete unity, so the world would know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here in this prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17, Jesus prays twice for the same thing, and it has an outcome. So he prays, first of all, that we who follow him would be one so that the world would believe. Our oneness leads the world to believe, according to Jesus' prayer. And then he prays the same thing. He prays that we would be brought to complete unity so the world would know. So our oneness in him causes the world to believe, and being brought to complete unity causes the world to know. So the way we set the stage or create an environment for people to come to know Christ is that we walk in unity. Not just that we believe that we're one in Christ, which is true and we should believe, and we do have a oneness with our brothers and sisters who follow Jesus. That will always be true. But the way that the world is going to know is that we are one. The way that the world is going to get a chance to believe is that we come to complete unity. And that unity and that oneness needs to get lived out. It needs to be seen and shown. And by the mercies of God, we live in a time where he, the Lord, 
is bringing together his people and communities all around the world and all around the United States. And that's good news for us. Because as churches, we are not independent silos worshiping Jesus. There is an army of people who love and follow Christ in in our community and in communities across the United States of America. There's an army of them. There are many tribes who focus on and follow Jesus in this community. And when those tribes find a way, as they follow the Holy Spirit, to link arms together, this prayer of Jesus begins to get lived out. And and let, let me tell you what our primary goal in this, our primary goal in this is, and that is we please the Lord. It makes the Lord happy when we're one in Him. When we walk in unity, it pleases His heart. And not only does it please His heart, the believers are strengthened. Doug mentioned that that on a monthly basis, um, there are pastors and ministry leaders who gather together for prayer. There's between 60 and 100 leaders who meet monthly to pray for one another and to pray for the community. And as we pray... God hears our prayer. And it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in, uh, I would even say it's a baby step in seeing this John 17 take place. So over the last several years, there's been this work of grace going on here in our community to see the body of Christ come together. And as we've worked with pastors, this is all done through collaboration. It's not just our one hope team. Pastor Joshua is involved. Pastor Ben Cross from First Baptist Church is involved. Pastor Van Clemens from Willamette Christian Center. I mean, there are, there are, I can go through lists and we collaborate. We pray together. We talk together. We discern what the Holy Spirit's doing. And then whatever comes to the surface, we start to take a step on. So that's the quick story. So I just wanted to give that intro to set context for where we're going to go so that your heart maybe sees a bigger picture as we look at Jeremiah 29. So let's go back to Jeremiah 29, and I'm going to read. Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Let's pray. Father, we give you back your word. We lay your word before you. And Lord, I'm asking that today that your word would be living and active in our hearts and living and active in our community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple things I want want to point out. This word of the Lord to the exiles is an encouraging word, obviously. And I would even submit to you it's the dream... It's the desire of every human being, no matter their culture. It is the dream. Listen to this. Build houses and settle down. 
plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Everyone on the planet wants to have a home. Everyone on the planet wants to sow and cultivate and enjoy what they've cultivated. Everyone on the planet wants to have, have, have children and see their children have children. It's not the American dream. It's the desire, I believe, of every human heart. And the word of the Lord comes to the exiles. Now think about this. The exiles. Who are the exiles? They're the people of Israel who've been carried away from their homeland. The Babylonians have come in and destroyed their place of worship, have killed family members, have killed those in leadership, have tortured them, have taken away the temple, their form of worship. The exiles have been moved into a foreign land, a foreign language, a foreign culture, foreign gods. It doesn't smell the same. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't sound the same. These people oppressed them. And they're living now in Babylon. And the word of the Lord comes to them. And and the word of the Lord encourages them in that very, very difficult state. To build and to plant. And to have children and to increase. This is the context that this word comes in. So it's the dream. I believe of every human being. And it's the dream that God wants to fulfill even in difficult circumstances. But then there's this crazy part at the end here in verse 7 where it says, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now here I'm reading out of that New International Version. And that word peace and prosperity, oftentimes in in other translations, is translated peace. Also seek the peace of of the city which I've carried you into exile. For in its peace you too will have peace. Well that word right there is the word shalom. And the word shalom cannot be contained in one simple word. The word shalom... Literally, it's, it's very much a compound word. I, I kind of liken it to, to the word sozo in the Greek. But let's not go there for time's sake. But the word shalom. The word shalom means this. It means safety. It means friendliness. It means soundness, completeness. It means peace and prosperity. It means wholeness. So the word shalom is a blessing that God puts on people. It comes from God. He is Yahweh Shalom. Gideon first calls him that. Yahweh Shalom. He is the God of peace and prosperity and wholeness. So listen. Okay, the exiles are getting this word. Okay, Lord, we're getting this word that you want us to build and plant and prosper and have kids. That's a good word. But Lord, you also want us to pray for this city, the place where we've been called into exile. You want the welfare and the wholeness 
and the prosperity of these people who killed our family members, who destroyed your temple and forced us to live here and follow foreign customs. You want us to pursue the peace here and to pray for this place? Yes. God is giving them a word that I want you to build and prosper. And I'm giving you a word that I want you to seek the prosperity. And I want you to seek the peace of the place where I've called you. No matter what the people around you are like. It doesn't matter. Because my goodness is great. Now, this is pre-Jesus. This is Old Testament stuff. And this had to be a miracle of grace back in the Old Testament to change the hearts of the exiles in Babylon. I'm telling you, I would need Jesus to pull this off, right? Because I've been forgiven much and his sinless blood was shed for me so that I could be forgiven and so that I can learn how to forgive. They didn't have that. How much more does the grace of God And the vision of God rests upon us because of Jesus that we can stand in this place and we can seek the peace and prosperity of the place where God's called us. And that we can pray to the Lord for the place and the people where God's called us to. Because there's a promise connected to it. Because in its shalom, in the city, in the community in which we live, in the shalom of this city, we will also have shalom. So praise be to God. Now, let's come back to this picture of the body of Christ working together. How is shalom going to happen? How is the prosperity and the wholeness and the soundness of God, how is that going to happen to a community? And I want to submit to you, it's going to happen as his people join together to show his love. As we walk out our oneness, the peace, the shalom, the welfare of God is going to come upon and is coming upon our community. Now, you all are familiar with, I'm going to talk about two things and then Patty's going to come up and share What we've been doing together as churches, we are praying, just like this word in Jeremiah 29, we are praying for our communities in very specific ways. We're following this word, right? We're praying one church one day, you guys' prayer day was about 10 days ago or something like that, I think. All right? So the churches are praying very specifically into 10 spheres of our community. And we've seen lots of answers to prayer. And I shared a few of those um, last time when I was here. But I'm going to share one just to refresh your memory and to bring it back to this peace and prosperity. One of the ways that we prayed over the last year is we prayed into the government sphere for Operation 365. Now, Operation 365 was an initiative of local governments to house 365 homeless veterans in a year. It's a pretty ambitious goal. And our government strategic team, that's the team that meets once a month to come up with a prayer request for the government sector that goes out on the prayer guide. The government strategic team brought that information. Let's pray for Operation 365. And so last year, for several months, we prayed for Operation 365 that God would intervene and house 365 veterans. Now, there was a lot of people in government and in nonprofits working really hard in order to make that happen, okay? But the body of Christ was coming alongside 
our government leaders, and there were hundreds of people throughout our community who were praying for our community in a very specific way, for the shalom, for the peace and prosperity to come on our community in specific ways. And as we prayed, God answered. And at the end of the year, 404 homeless veterans were housed. That's absolutely miraculous. Absolutely. Praise be to God. Now, again, a lot of people worked really hard for that to happen. But there were hundreds of people in the body of Christ praying very specific prayers for that to happen. The peace and prosperity, the shalom of God came into that specific area of our community. And by the grace of God, we got to see some of of that answer take place. That 404. And by the way, in the State of the City address, when Mayor Kitty Piercy uh, addressed the city in, in January, we were there. And um, several other believers were there. And she stated all the good things that are taking place in the community. And three of the things that she mentioned were, were things that were answers to prayer. This was one of them. This was one of them. That Operation 365 was fulfilled. So, as believers were called to pray for the community that were carried into exile, but were called to seek the peace and prosperity, or pursue the peace and prosperity. We're going to do that as we pray, and we've decided as churches, we're going to walk out our oneness by not only praying for our community in specific ways, but we're going to join together as Jesus-following people, and we're going to serve. We're going to serve. And I believe that as the body of Christ prays, and as the body of Christ steps out and serves, again, that peace and prosperity that only comes from God, get shown to our community in very unique ways. So I'm going to invite Patty to come on up and she's going to share a little bit more about Project Hope and that at, and Project Hope is this wonderful time of year when churches join together to step out to serve our community as well as pray for it. Thanks, honey. You know, it has to be the most fun place to serve in uh, Junction City. It's like You do it all. You put on Scandinavian clothes and make great food, and then you go serve schools. I mean, it's like any kind of serving you want to do, you guys have it going on here. It's so great. I didn't make it to ScandyFest this year. I was a little bit sad about that. But um, Project Hope, yeah. How many of you have participated in Project Hope? We've been doing it for, okay, awesome. That's great. If you haven't and you just want to step in this year, it's a great year to do it. It's going to be awesome. Um, Project Hope actually began with one pastor, started it in his church parking lot in Eugene. But because we were walking together in unity, we were building relationship together, we saw that the impact, the collective impact could be greater. We took it on together as a body of Christ. And now Project Hope went from serving about maybe, I think about 100 to 200 kids to this year we'll be serving 3,100 students and their families. And then we'll be serving anywhere, I, I, have to, I have to actually have my numbers in front of me, but anywhere from about 30 to 45 schools will be served the day before. You guys are hardcore, you're doing it all in one day. In Eugene and in Springfield, we do the school serve on Saturday and we do the kids fair on Sunday. So I don't know, we'll, maybe we'll see if your model is the one we adopt or not, but right now, that's how we're rolling and you guys do it all in one day, knock it out and, 
And I don't know, you're just trailblazing in that one, so go for it. It's all that hardy farm stock up here, I think. <laughs> I'm one of those, so I can say that because I'm a farm girl. So I, I always feel really, it's good. I am. Um, but here's what I want. I want to touch on a couple things for Project Hope. The description of it, for those of you who are new, is in your bulletin, so I'm not going to talk about the description, but I do have a couple things from the heart of the Lord I feel like to say. Why? Well, we certainly did just get the why out of Jeremiah, to seek, to seek, to actively, how can we? And, and Project Hope is just one that the Lord will lead us to collectively. We're all doing things individually in our churches too. Project Hope is one way we're seeking the peace and prosper, prosperity to bless our community, something the Lord highlighted. What we are not attempting to do is create a good self-image for the body of Christ because we're out there doing good deeds. Just because, well, we got to put a good face on the church. That's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because Jesus is the servant of all. And we're following him, and he's alive in us. And so we get to serve, and we get to serve joyfully. In fact, that's the way we're supposed to serve. It says, those who serve, let them serve in the strength the Lord gives. And you know how he gives us strength? It's joy. I love that. The very thing he wants to strengthen us with is joy. So as we engage next weekend to work at schools and then to put little shoes on kids' feet and hand them a backpack and, and watch them get their hair cut or help them get their hair cut, I am praying that you, along with me, will be saying, Lord, you have an abundant supply of joy. Fill me up because that's what we want them to experience. That's what we want our community to experience, the tangible presence of the living God who's living through us in this endeavor. But our collective, our collective seeking the peace and prosperity of the community, our collective impact is great. And I want to share a couple stories. In 2012, B.J. Blake was the president, at Sp president. She was the administrator. She felt like the president. She was the principal, head administrator at Spencer Butte Middle School. Ricky Poon, Pastor Ricky Poon from the Chinese Christian Church, went to Spencer Butte and said, hey, we would sort of like to help you get your school ready, and uh, we'd like to just come serve. Can we help you get the grounds ready? Can we do some things? And his report to us, in talking about it later, she was a little bit suspicious. What does the church want? What's the agenda? She didn't have a great experience, perhaps, with the body of Christ or other uh, experience with church. He wasn't sure. But she opened the door, and she said, okay, we'll try this. And for a few years, they served that school. And Ricky developed a relationship with this principal where she opened up about her life. She opened up about her experience with um, church, so to speak. And she began to just really be touched by, by Jesus because they just served so unconditionally. Well, fast forward, administrators get moved around. B.J. Blake gets moved to be the principal at Churchill High School. She shows up at Churchill, lo and behold, her uh, head custodian says, oh, by the way, every August we get this great thing. We have like 60, 100 people that show up, and they help us get the school ready. And all of a sudden, the collective impact and the bigness of the body of Christ under the lordship of Jesus is expanded to her. Oh, they're doing this together, and oh, they're in different churches, and they're actually working together and loving each other. 
we serve at um, Churchill, and so we had the privilege of working alongside BJ in those days, and it was fantastic. After two years, BJ, after the second year, BJ said, could I come to your church and actually thank the people for working and then ask them for prayer? Yeah, that's going to work. That's going to work because that's what we're doing. We're going to agree with that prayer. So she showed up, and sometime your church, if you wanted, we have the clip of her presentation. But here's the three ways she asked us to pray. She says, please pray that in our journey of education, it would be guided by light and truth. Check. That's going to work. Then she said, please pray that us teachers and staff would have true humility. Check. And then her third request was, would you pray and for all of us, and she's including us, that all of us as people would continue to see the youth and the children in our community that are not here, they're not in the church. Like basically saying, let's all see the kids who are lost and bring them into the family. Check. Could we agree with those prayers? And God is moving in those prayers. B.J. Blake, through our collective movement in serving, is just one story, but is a story of someone who's experiencing the existence of Jesus. And that's what Project Hope is all about. Why do we do it? We're following him. He's the servant of all. He wants to serve. He wants to bless. He's the ultimate giver. We can't outgive him. We should be generous. We, we give even sometimes out of our need, but he always supplies. And so when we give, we're, we're actually demonstrating this is, this is the God who sees. This is the God who hears. It's the God who knows. We're not colonial. We're not patriarchal. We're not, oh, we, we have no needs and we just get to give to you. No, we're all level, but out of, out of what he's given to our life, we're giving to out of, out of the abundance we get to give. So that's one story. That's our collective impact. And you guys, I know up here, I think it's you and Willamette Christian Center that partner at the schools, but you just need to know that when you're doing that, you're actually partnering with the larger body of Christ over in Springfield, all the way in North and South Eugene. We're all doing it on this weekend. And so it's going to just be a fabulous time. I do want to say one other thing. As you're kind of getting this big picture of this is what goes on in Project Hope, I also want to just, and I love having the big picture, because I think God likes to lift us up and go, see what I see. Because when he sees this coming weekend, he sees hands and feet and, and ears and eyes. He just sees us in activation under his headship. And I also say, from the big picture, on the day that we serve families and they come and they try on shoes, I want to just encourage you, let the Lord enable you to see the one. See the one, because he does that too. And who might the Lord, if you serve at the kids' fair, for example, who might the Lord have you just see? And recognize that God's going to start giving you a heart and a prayer and a connection and a relationship, perhaps, because the end goal is really this, that people know him, that they know him, that they come to find him, and he should be easy to find. That's really it. Can he just be easy to find in our community? That's what we want. We just want it to be super easy to find Jesus in Lane and Lane County, well, and Oregon. Let's just go big. Let's do it all. (laughs) 
One other thing I just want to say as a testimony, in February I was invited at the U of O to be in a, on, to be, to participate in a day that was geared toward, um, it was put on by the Department of Equity and Diversity, and it was geared all around social justice issues, okay? So, yeah, LGBTQ issues, um, feministic issues, social justice issues that have to do with ethnicity, um, and I got asked to be a part of it, and I didn't have enough titles or training after my name to be there. I really didn't. I'm like, well, Jesus, it's me and you and my bachelor's in journalism, but here we go. But the reality is the reason I was invited was because of our collective impact with Project Hope. There was something that had been seen of there's a large mobilization into impacting, serving schools, connecting with families in need. And there I found myself. And the whole issue was about um, how do you do social, how do you, how do you engage social activism? How do you get into um, issues that are affecting the peace and prosperity of your community? And you guys, Jesus was so great. He just made it so simple. Because it, it really is. And I just was able to say, you know, I'm just a follower of Jesus. And if you follow him long enough, you're going to care about what happens in your community. It's, it really is that simple. And I had two different people come up and say, you know, I've just never heard it said like that. And you know what the word was? Jesus. That's all it was. It wasn't, well, I'm a Christian and these are what we do. I mean, I am one. But it's his name. It's his person. It's his beauty. I'm just following him and this is what he does. <laughs> Isn't that easy? It's easy. So I just want to say, I think that's all I got time for. It's your turn. That's all I want to say. <laughs> all I want to say is, you know what? We got a big week coming up. And we're going to bless a lot of people. And when you're on that school ground, you pray around that school ground. You take that. You high schoolers. Where's my, where's my high schoolers? That is your territory. I just want to tell you that right now. You middle schoolers, that is your territory. That is your territory. God's going to open so many doors because guess what? When we serve, that's the other thing. Doors started opening. I had an assistant principal go, I don't care who you send me. I trust you because of Project Hope. Send me anybody. I just want them on the grounds. They can come and pray and they can hang out with kids. That's what I want. That little wall between separation and church estate just sort of dissolved. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just went away. So in a couple minutes, uh, we're going to close and we're going to pray. And then I don't know if you, it would, back to the missions minute, if you wanted to pray for us. So I want to honor that. And of course, we do need prayer and want to receive prayer also. But I just want to end with this thought as we conclude. One of the elements of our identity as Jesus followers is that we are peacemakers. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We are peacemakers. When Jesus rose from the dead, his first message to his followers, mostly because they were freaking out and afraid, but his first message to his followers was, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. 
We are peacemakers. And as we read this morning, the scripture calls us to seek, to pursue the shalom of the place where we live. Pursue the welfare, pursue the prosperity, pursue the wholeness of the place where you live. You and I are peacemakers because of Jesus. He is the one who brings peace, shalom. And that shalom goes to everybody. That shalom is extended to everybody. Now, as we were worshiping this morning, something stood out to me, and I want to say a prayer, because you might be saying, okay, I'm, I'm a peacemaker. Jesus blesses me, I'm a peacemaker, but I'm not having peace right now. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ right now, you know, Jesus, always, Jesus also said this promise, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. And he says that right after he says, my peace, I leave with you. So if you're here today and, and you're experiencing that, that trouble, that tribulation that Jesus said would happen to us, be of good cheer, take heart, because the Prince of Peace wants to give you peace because you are, in fact, a peacemaker. And he wants his peace to reign in your heart, even in the midst of difficult times. Okay, so let me just say a quick prayer. So Lord, for those of us this morning that are going through tribulation, going through a hard time, Lord, you're still the Prince of Peace. You're the source of peace. And so Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that by your Spirit, you would take anxiety off of people's hearts. God, by your Spirit, Lord, I ask that you would bring that tranquility and soundness and prosperity in the center of our souls. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive shalom from the Prince of Shalom. Just receive shalom right now. Receive the peace of God. You are a peacemaker. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think we're going to get prayed for here in a minute, but I want, to, I want to end by inviting you to pray three ways for Project Hope, okay? There's three ways we would like you to pray for Project Hope. Number one, pray that we would all get along and serve well together, okay? Just that the, that oneness in John 17 is actually lived out. We're actually getting along. There's some shalom in our oneness, we're harmonizing with one another, and we're serving with joy, okay? There might be a problem that comes up. There might be a conflict with somebody when you're raking leaves or <laughs> pulling weeds. Just let the joy of the Lord come on you. you. You're not sent of your own accord. The Prince of Peace is sending you and giving you a So pray that we would love each other, that we would work well together, number one. Number two, I always like to pray for the ultimate outcome, that Jesus is clearly seen. Just as Patty shared these outcomes, we want Jesus' presence and person to be clearly seen through Project Hope, okay? Number one, that we would get along and serve well. Number two, that Jesus would be seen. And number three, just you can pray just for all the logistics that need to happen. You know, working with 
45 different congregations and thousands of pairs of shoes and thousands of backpacks and school supplies. Pray for the logistics, the nitty-gritty. We need to pray for the nitty-gritty to take place. So we're praying for the nitty-gritty. We're praying for ultimately Jesus to be seen and experienced, and we're praying that we would work well together in Jesus' name. So those are three ways to pray. So please be in prayer this week. We found out on Friday that our shipment with all the backpacks and school supplies was supposed to be here on Monday, tomorrow. It's not getting here till Friday. So praying for the nitty-gritty is good. Praying for those logistics is a good thing to be praying for. And that we, but we're trusting God for that. So, so be praying for Project Hope. Should we pray for Project Hope before they pray for us? Okay, do you want to hear? Okay, why don't you just get with somebody, just really quick, and just pray over Project Hope, just really quickly. Rapid-fire Rapid fire prayer, Go. Just lean over to someone, just pray. Pro-